The Voice America Business Channel is brought to you by Intercall, the worldwide conferencing leader. Check out easy and reliable conferencing solutions at www.intercall.com forward slash radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, we're going to be talking about cultivating leaders, um, I should say cultivating tomorrow's leaders, and we have two fabulous guests that are going to have, help us to have that conversation. Um, first, I want to introduce to you Troy Bale, who is the special assistant to the city manager for the city of Beverly, Beverly Hills. Troy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy yeah. to be here. Great. And then also we have Elaine Hubbard-Williams, who's an assistant principal with Palm Beach, Florida School District, as well as program director for inner city youth in West Palm Beach, Florida. Thanks for being with us, Elaine. Thanks for having me. Yes. Before we jump right into the heart of our conversation, why don't I ask each of you just to share a little bit about yourselves, particularly as it relates to your affiliation with the public and or um, nonprofit sectors. Uh, Troy, why don't we ask you to start? Okay. Well, um, my background uh, with respect to uh, nonprofit and public sector has been from pretty much the start. I started off working for local government as an engineer with water and sewer, uh, went to work for the special taxing district in South Florida called the Water uh, I'm sorry, South Florida Water Management District, which is the largest special taxing district in, in the state of Florida, where I worked as a government government relations director and also the deputy chief of staff. And then um, I went to work for IBM and their public sector sec- section, uh, working with local governments and developing technology solutions. Um, and from there, I went to work for a nonprofit. Uh, charter school company, and I was the national director of, uh, of new school development for, for Imagine Schools, um, focusing on developing schools in the Midwest, primarily in it. Fabulous. Well, we are so glad to have you on the show and looking forward to hearing your perspective on this topic of cultivating tomorrow's leaders. Elaine, why don't we have you share a little bit about yourself? Okay, currently I'm an assistant principal. Um, Our school focuses on students who have had difficulty at traditional schools, and we are a computer-based learning center for um, students that have followed track and trying to reach their graduation goal. And I've been with um, the school district for 23 years, where I initially started as a speech-language pathologist and transition into a leadership role um, with the at-risk students at various schools. And in the summertime, for the last 23 years, I served as the program director for Inner City Youth. It's a nonprofit that provides summer programming for students um, in a low socioeconomic area, and we have about 200 students each summer as well as um, 20 youth leaders that we take through our leadership program. Okay, great. Uh, Troy, sounds like you're back with us? Yes, I am. Okay, wonderful. Good to have you back. Elaine, thank you so much for that introduction, and wonderful having you on the show today as well. Mm -hmm. Elaine, I'm going to continue with you and just ask you if you would share your thoughts as it relates to the greatest strengths that our country has going for us um, relative to developing future leaders. Um, I just feel like um, we're at a different place than we have been in a long time in terms of youth leaders. Um, We could see the impact um, in 2008 
the impact that young people made on the election. And um, because they use so many different mediums for communication, they are creative and innovative. And that's a strength for us uh, moving into the future. And I know in working with youth leaders, you, you know, it's good that they like to be creative. And I found that instead of instructing and directing, kind of facilitate their development versus telling them how to think. And when you allow that creativity, they are more creative and analytical, and they're able to develop more as leaderships because they're allowed to think outside the box. Fabulous. Thank you. Sure, anything you'd like to add to that as it relates to the strengths that our country currently has going forward uh, relative to developing future leaders? Well, I would just like to echo um, the same sentiments. I think um, what we have going for us is the, the amazing rate of, uh, of technology. Um, the, the youth today are able to process information so much faster and to um, manage information so much better through the use of technology. And that's allowed them to be um, so much more creative in the way they interact with each other, through social media, through uh, text messaging, um, through the Internet. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So kind of underscoring that processing and managing of information through the use of technology. And, Elaine, I loved the um, piece that you kind of put in there relative to our role uh, being facilitators and and helping to um, bring that creativity and innovation out um, through using a facilitative approach versus perhaps a more directive or instructional approach. Um, so look to hear more about that as the conversation unfolds. Um, Troy, I want to ask you if you could um, maybe, you know, I think sort of very often we um, focus on what's not going well and and where the stories are with regards that aren't so successful. I'd love to hear a success story with regards to um, if there is a success story out there that could give us food for thoughts on what's being done currently to develop young people, what might be some things that are happening to develop uh, young leaders that you're aware of? Any success stories you can point to? Uh, absolutely, and, and I guess I, I need to start with a little bit of the negative. Um, some of the areas where I've developed schools have uh, some of the poorest graduation rates in the country. For instance, Indianapolis, less than 50% of the students actually graduate from high school. But on the positive side, uh, what we've been able to do with the schools that I developed in that area is uh, um, create some innovation in our approaches to education. Like Elena mentioned, um, the schools that I've developed um, utilize or leverage the facilitative approach as opposed to to the directional approach. Um, We like to develop our students' uh, ability to think critically. So we don't um, tie ourselves to the, the ball and chain of NCLB by teaching them the test. We teach them critical thinking skills by using life examples to help them develop their core curriculum. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Elaine, any success stories you'd like to point to? Or um, as, as he mentioned, um, some of the charter school programs who um, have a little more freedom, such as um, the Harlem Zone Project is a project that comes to mind um, where they take the student uh, virtually from the cradle to um, beyond graduation and cultivate the student into leadership, and they have a high success rate in transitioning students into college. And um, I think those type programs that's not tied to stringent tests Teach test, teach test type of atmosphere lends itself to more successful students. Mm-hmm. So, I, it, I, mm-hmm. if, if I could add, I sure. The the critical thinking and analysis capability of our youth is what really distinguishes the leaders from the followers. And I think our efforts in trying to develop that and facilitate that and enhance that are what really makes a difference in the way that we are developing our youth today. Fabulous. That's true, yeah. Yeah, good. So um, as we kind of peel back and you look at some of those success stories, anything else stick out for either of you as um, as significant differences? And, and I guess at some point, too, because both of you have mentioned chartered schools, 
for those that aren't as familiar in our listening audience, just kind of talk a little bit about the difference between, I know our our country has moved to a number of different um, schooling systems, one might say. We have, you know, obviously our traditional public um, schools. We have charter schools, and I know in some situations vouchers. Anyone want to kind of give us a stab at maybe educating us a little bit on some of those differences just so that we are aware? Um, sure, I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to jump in on that. Okay. Um, you have your traditional school system, and then you have charter schools, which are basically public schools that are privately managed, and that means that they are the same in every, in every way. Um, they have uh, to be open and uh, willing to accept any child, uh, regardless of where they come from. Um, but the difference is with a charter school, there are typically in most states, there are no geographical limitations. As long as you're a resident of that state, you can send your child to any charter school in that state. So the distinction between your traditional school and your charter school is the fact that they do not have geographical limitations based on school district lines. And it's kind of like a, what most people are familiar with in traditional schools, a magnet school. Mm-hmm. where uh, there are certain theme-based schools, and you can go to those schools regardless of whether they're in your neighborhood. Charter schools are similar to that, but you're not limited by being in that school district. You could be on the other side of the state. Okay, good. Thank you for that distinction. That's helpful. We're going to take a um, short break and then be back with more on Leadership Matters. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Get ready to lead in today's ever-changing, diverse community and global market. Attend the Advance. Improve your cultural competence, ability to lead inclusion initiatives, and effectiveness in serving today's diverse community and global market. Join thought leaders from across the nation June 2nd through the 4th in San Diego for The Advance. Log on to www.theadvance.org. That's www.theadvance.org to learn more and register. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about cultivating tomorrow's leaders. And with us today we have Troy Bell, the special assistant to the city manager with the city of Beverly Hills. Thanks for staying with us, Troy. Mm-hmm. And then we also have Elaine Hubbard-Williams, who's a assistant uh, principal with Palm Beach, Florida School District, as well as a program director for the inner city youth in West Palm Beach, Florida. Thanks for staying with us, Elaine. Thank you. Yes, Troy, before we went to break, you were giving us a little bit of a distinction between public and charter schools, and we had mentioned the other, I think, um, educational system we have developing in our country now are vouchers. And just so that um, we have a little bit of context of all three, you want to share a little bit about the voucher system? Sure. Let me make one last um, uh, distinction about uh, charter schools. Uh, okay, great. Thank you. That, sure. 
is that uh, charter schools typically do not um, are not beholden or required to use uh, union teachers. So that's one of the other significant distinctions about charter schools that uh, usually divide people either pro or con for charter schools. But um, moving on to vouchers, uh, vouchers are are a a system that's being proposed in in certain areas, and I believe uh, that's the school district in uh, Washington, D.C. is uh, is moving forward with a voucher system where every uh, resident is provided a paper voucher or electronic um, card that uh, has a certain amount of value on it that allows them to take that uh, amount and go to any school that they want to uh, that is a, um, has a tuition and apply that credit towards the tuition. Um, so... If you would like to send your child to a private school that's tuition-based, then you would have a credit as a result of being a taxpayer or a resident in that area. And that's what they refer to as the voucher, the voucher system as part of the school choice movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Elaine, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, we have a similar system here in, in Palm Beach, and um we also have where if a school is low performing, a parent has a right to transition to a higher performing school if the school is if the school has received a failing grade two consecutive years, and also as um, Troy stated, a voucher program where if they're interested in attending a a private program, they can also apply for a private program, whatever the amount of money is given per student in a public sector. Um, they have a similar program that the student can um, attend a, a private school. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And so in each of yours experience, um, I, mean, I know that we kind of started, we went down that track because both of you kind of mentioned charter schools, and one of the things that you were um, speaking of was the facilitative approach, and uh, I think Troy as well as Elaine, you both mentioned the development of critical thinking skills in that approach and analytical skills. And, and I think, Troy, you're saying the distinction between our students who we are, um, when those skills are developed, that's what really helps to make the distinction with regards to them being followers or, say, leaders versus followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we drive forward in this conversation about developing our um, leaders for tomorrow, uh, anything else you want to say uh, relative to that before we kind of move into another space? Yeah. No, both are you pretty good there? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I would just add that um, I think uh, the United States is facing a competition gap with uh, foreign countries such as India and some of the Asian countries who are developing um, their education system are around the notion of uh, critical thinking. And I think one of the limitations that we have here in the United States is that because we are focusing on teaching to an exam, we are not cultivating the opportunity for those students to learn how to develop their critical thinking skills. So mm-hmm. moving forward, I believe in order for us to be competitive with the other nations around the world, we have to find ways to enhance our education system and, and the ability of the education system to develop critical thinking in our students. Okay, great. Thank you. So whichever of those systems we're, um, are being utilized, there needs to be the development of our, of our students' critical thinking and analytical skills. Correct. Exactly. Okay, great. Um, Elaine, I'm going to ask you to just uh, maybe envision our country 10 years from now. And... Um, and if we were to um, be successful in developing our youth, what would our youth be doing 10 years from now? I think we would see more entrepreneurs and business owners, mm-hmm. and our young leaders would um, be able to function on a global scale versus um, just staying locally in the United States. And I think they will be forerunners in terms of green projects and sustainability projects. And um, because of the direction in which the academic achievement is going is focusing on rigor and relevance, it's allowing the students to think outside the box and move in that direction, create projects, create ideas, and that's the focus. If we're successful, that's where I can see our our students um, 
being 10 years from now versus um, constantly, you know, in the, you have to go to college, you have to, you have to um, follow this track. I think once they become uh, critical thinkers, as Troy stated, they can think of different ideas, think of different avenues to become successful in, in the world. Okay. Great. Thank you. Troy, anything you want to add to that vision? I think um, um, a critical piece of that, um, that, uh, that scenario that Elaine, Elena painted is um, making sure that those students have access to the information and access to uh, the global networks. I think she's right on the money in terms of where we will be moving in ter- uh, as far as having our youth be involved globally and entrepreneurially. Um, the question that we need to address and the challenge that we need to overcome is making sure that all of our children have access to those networks and access to technology and access to information. And as we address that and solve that problem, I think you will see a blending of, uh, of, our, of our students um, and you will see a reduction in the achievement gap and I think you will see um, some, some dramatic leaps forward in terms of what our students are able to do as we develop them as leaders for tomorrow. So, um, so I'm, I'm looking at that vision of, let's say, 10 years from now, and we've been successful with regards to, let's say, developing our youth. And, um, and in doing so, if I kind of um, envision what Elaine put out there, that we have youth that are now global leaders, entrepreneurs, they are leading green projects, and um, and... Um, kind of coming up with new and inv- innovative ways of um, even, one might say, stimulating our economy mm-hmm. and taking care of many of our um, social challenges. What got them there? Um, what needs to happen now in order to prepare our youth to take that position? I, I believe that um, as it, it goes back to what um, we, we in our conversation, making sure they can think and reason, giving them an opportunity to develop those skills that is so necessary and setting high expectations and encouraging creativity at an early state and um, providing some interaction, positive examples, and making sure that the students have an opportunity and increasing their exposure beyond their neighborhood and providing if it's not there, creating an opportunity for them to interact with other people beyond their um, blocks in which they live. Mm-hmm. Okay, Troy, anything you'd like to add? Sure. There's two things I would call attention to. I think uh, um, a critical aspect is uh, mentorship. I believe in the generation that preceded me that there was a lack of commitment to mentorship, and I think that's why you've seen... Um, a temporary void in um, in the development of leadership from uh, one generation to the next, simply because of the fact that there was not an emphasis on mentoring and developing talent to come after. Um, the other thing that I would call attention to is uh, our preoccupation with uh, the appearance of our students. Um, I think we look at a student and judge them based on their appearance and determine based on their appearance what they're capable of doing. Sometimes that um, is, a, is an economic assessment or prejudgment. Sometimes it's a racial assessment or prejudgment. I think we need to get away from that and, and uh, assess our children based on their capability and not based on what they look like. That is something that the, uh, the countries that we compete against around the world are not dealing with because they have homogeneous societies in a sense. Here, we're still limited by our, our uh, assumptions based on the way a child looks um, and not based on what they're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So, so, Troy, what are some thoughts with regards to how we drive past that? Well, I, I, I think um, that providing access to technology, like I mentioned before, I hate to, to, to beat that drum, but the, by putting the tools in the hands of all children, we give them the ability and we are facilitating an opportunity for them to develop at their own pace and their own rate. Um, you put a cell phone in the hands of a three-year-old child and they're figuring out how to 
take pictures, how to file pictures, how to pull up numbers. Uh, and that, that's basically putting a miniature computer in their hands, and they can figure it out. Now, the child that doesn't have access to that, obviously, is behind, behind the curve. So our ability to put technology or submerge our children in technological environment, whether it be our curriculum delivery systems or just the environment in general, is a way for us to, um, to facilitate their ability to develop. Okay. And so I'm hearing and I'm kind of getting the, the technology piece with regards to ensuring that there's access to technology and the submerging our youth in uh, situations where they have that technology and that we're also stimulating their critical thinking as well as their, um, I won't even say strategic analysis, analysis abilities, analytical skills. Um, Troy, you said something with regards to um, not being preoccupied with the appearance of our students and the ratio or economics. Is there a suggestion that the lack of access, um, not having that be available, has a racial or economic undertone? Um, that's the piece where I'm saying, how do we drive past it? I hear the music going in the background that's kind of cueing me that we need to take a commercial break. So I'm going to ask you just to think about that. We're going to take a short break and be right back with more on Leadership Matters. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Get ready to lead in today's ever-changing, diverse community and global market. Attend the Advance. Improve your cultural competence, ability to lead inclusion initiatives, and effectiveness in serving today's diverse community and global market. Join thought leaders from across the nation, June 2nd through the 4th in San Diego for The Advance. Log on to www.theadvance.org. That's www.theadvance.org to learn more and register. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about cultivating tomorrow's leaders and with us today, we have Troy Bell, Special Assistant to the City Manager of the City of Beverly Hills, and Elaine Hubbard-Williams, Assistant Principal with Palm Beach, Florida uh, School District, as well as Program Director for Inner City Youth uh, in West Palm Beach. Again, thank you both for being with us. Thank you. Thank Happy you. Happy to be here. Yes. And then before we went to break, Troy, 
um, you were sharing with us and kind of had put the thought out there as it relates to what needs to happen now in order to ensure that our youth are ready to walk in that vision 10 years from now um, as leaders. Um, it, there was a thought you shared with regards to concerns about a preoccupation with the appearance of our students as it relates to race and economics. Uh, I think that really had to do with, you know, uh, the, the preoccupation was with the appearance and that the appearance piece may have more to do with those elements versus their ability to think or so on and so forth. Let me just have you say a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of a disclaimer. Too. We've talked about charter schools, and I really believe in the power of what charter schools can do, but I firmly believe that they are not the answer to our educational issues. I think they are a tool in the toolbox that we can use to help drive innovation. It's been been my experience in developing charter schools and the schools that I've started so far. I've uh, I've tried to front load them with as much technology as possible. The pushback that I get from educators and the pushback that I get from communities is that they don't believe in some of the inner city neighborhoods where I'm developing schools that the children are of the caliber, quote unquote, that they can benefit from being exposed to this technology. So. Um, the only thing that I can see that is different in, in the children that I have in these schools is the color of their skin or the quality of their clothes. Um, so my point is that we're competing against a world where they look at children based on what they're capable of doing. They don't, uh, they don't discriminate based on the way the child looks. If we have a child that comes to my school and that child may have difficulty um, with speaking perfect English, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's not important for us to, to teach language skills, but just because his, his or her uh, English is not perfect doesn't mean that they don't have the ability to think critically, that they can't analyze. And sometimes we're predisposed to think that just because they're not speaking properly that they're not intelligent, and we need to move past that. And in the schools that I've developed, we, we submerge our kids in as much technology from take-home computers to um, online chat sessions to uh, video conferencing to um, RFID transmitters and transponders. I mean, the whole gamut of everything that we do in that building is technology-oriented, from paperless documentation management systems uh, <clears throat> to access control throughout the building so that they are experiencing technology on an everyday basis so it's not something that's foreign to them when they're exposed to it down the road. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you so much for elaborating on that. I appreciate that. And I know also on the line is our um, associate producer of Leadership Matters, and she's been scanning um, emails and phone calls with regards to questions from the listening audience. Valerie Wright, welcome for... Um, Welcome to the show, Valerie. Hey, good afternoon, Dr. G. Thank you. Yes, and hello, did you again. have a couple of questions that our listeners had called in or emailed in that you wanted to share with us? I do. I have a um, question from Thomas from Alabama. Uh, Thomas writes, I work with a nonprofit that has an after-school tutoring program for middle and high school teens. I have been charged with expanding our work with the youth to weekends and a summer program. How can I use this time to incorporate leadership develop, a leadership development component? Okay. Any thoughts, Troy or Elaine? Well, currently um, I have an inner-city youth program, and it has a leadership component. And what we do uh, in the summer, we provide um, youth counselors for the summer program. And the function of the youth counselors they attend a training prior to the camp starting. They assist instructors with transitioning students from class to class. And not only do they serve as uh, escorts for the students, they have so many expectations for them. They have to develop a portfolio throughout the seven-week program, which might include a resume, a cover letter. They're required to interview a person that of their interest area if they want to be a pediatrician that's part of their por portfolio they have to think of marketing projects that might market our program working on that critical thinking and thinking outside the box what could you come up with to make this program greater 
and they have to plan and execute a community project where we teach them about giving back to the community. And they also um, have part in doing a daily journal, and they have discussions about what it takes, who's the leader. And um, the initial week, they work together. They they, um, participate in team-building activities, and they choose two leaders from their group. And as Troy stated earlier, a leader will show its head early, and the students will see leadership qualities, and it's that student that can critically think, organize, and get the group going. And those are some things that might be beneficial, but the training piece is necessary. Our students are from ninth grade to 12th grade. They don't get paid an hourly wage. They're paid a stipend, which they get at the end of the summer, and um, it encourages them to stay with the program. And most of our students who are a part of the program, they were youth campers from kindergarten, so they've developed through the program, and uh, they keep coming back year after year. So um, it's proven to be positive um, for the students. Great. Thank you. Troy, anything you'd like to add to um, uh, further those thought are, with regards to that? Sure. Those, that, um, those are excellent programs, and, and it's right on the money in terms of what I think is essential in developing leadership in after-school and youth programs. Um, I would like to emphasize that um, one of the key issues is giving the students responsibility, as Elena mentioned, um, giving them responsibility for the group or segments of the group, giving them responsibility for activities, giving them responsibility for developing their own programs. One of the things that we utilize in some of the programs that I've put together is um, we ask the students to go through scenarios where they have to select members from their class um, and interview them in order to accomplish a task. So we give them scenarios. For instance, you are a building contractor and you have to build a house. Now you need to pick five people from this group that you would like to work with you in building this house. Here are the skill sets of each of these people. Which uh, Of the ten people, which of these ten people would you choose in order to work with you? Which five of these ten people would you choose to work with you in building this house? Mm-hmm. So they have to go through the scenario of, uh, of developing a, a plan and a concept and a, uh, an idea of how they're going to accomplish it, and then, two, identify the skill sets of the people that they're working with to accomplish it. Okay, great. Thank you, Troy. Valerie, was there another question that you wanted to um, read from our listeners? Yes, I have a question from Idella from Virginia, and she writes, I've read in several articles that the most effective tool for cultivating youth leadership is involving students in community service projects. What types of service projects should I look to develop to help youth in our ministry? Okay, so that's very similar to question number one with regards to the answer. Anything either of you would add for Virginia? Um, well, well I would say a lot of, uh, I'm sorry to jump in there, Elena, um, <laughs> uh, community service projects that are focused on cleaning up and cleaning up neighborhoods, although those are valuable, I wouldn't limit your project to that. I think you need to move forward to trying to develop solutions to those problems. So when, when you look at um, areas that may need cleaning up, how do we beyond just cleaning it up, how do we prevent that from happening again? And that that type of critical thinking and analysis, I think, is valuable because you're developing solutions. Um, You're having them help you develop solutions that they can then go back and evaluate the success or failure of those solutions and and learn from them. Excellent. Thank you. Elaine, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, that's um, similar to what the students, and the students came up with this idea last summer, they developed a school a summer-wide uh, recycling program, and they were able to recycle a variety of things throughout the campus from paper, ink cartridges, um, the styrofoam, so it limited the amount of uh, garbage that was on the campus, knowing that our trash pickup is decreased in the summer. So one student, they came up with that idea, and I think teaching those type of skills earlier, it will... Um, go over later in life in terms of recycling, in terms of doing it at home, and just doing one project 
as um, Troy stated, cleaning up the beach or cleaning up the neighborhood, that's a one-time thing. But creating habits and seeing the effects of a project and the long-term effects uh, is what's necessary for the students to know. Okay. Very good. Valerie, can you tell our listeners what they can do in order to um, reach you for submitting other questions in the future or topics okay. even of interest? Okay. Listeners can call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero, or they can send their emails to drg at org, and that's dr.g at org. And the number, again, is 866-472-5790. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the line, Valerie, sharing those questions with us. Thank you, Dr. G. And okay. Uh, Troy, were you going to say something? Dr. G, I wanted to add one other um, response to the question about um, uh, youth programs. Okay. I would I recommend... You know what, Troy, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna just put a comma right there, and when we come yeah. back... From a uh, brief commercial break, we'll pick up with um, your response to the rest of that question, as well as ask each of you just uh, what can employers do to further develop our youth for tomorrow? Okay. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Get ready to lead in today's ever-changing, diverse community and global market. Attend the Advance. Improve your cultural competence, ability to lead inclusion initiatives, and effectiveness in serving today's diverse community and global market. Join thought leaders from across the nation, June 2nd through the 4th in San Diego, for the Advance. Log on to www.theadvance.org. That's www.theadvance.org to learn more and register. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Okay, and we're back with more on Leadership Matters. I think before we went to break, um, Troy, you had an additional thought you wanted to add to Idella from Virginia's questions regarding um, youth um, community service projects. Sure. I'm going to put on my assistant city manager's hat now and say <laughs> I strongly encourage um, that you uh, incorporate in your programs an opportunity for your students to meet the mayor of your city, the city manager, to visit the city manager's office, to visit the the local government offices so that they're exposed to that and they make and make those introductions and create those relationships early on so that these students can aspire to those positions and aspire to those places. 
I, I love that, and that takes us right into where we were going to go next, and that is really thinking about the role that employers can play, and particularly nonprofit and um, public sector employers as it relates to preparing youth to have more of an active role in leadership in the future uh, in those domains or in others. Any thoughts on those? As, as Troy um, stated, we also, as a part of that summer program, we did have city officials come in and for students to understand the different branches and the hierarchy and who to call. And as a result, students, uh, two of our students became, um, they were mentored in the our local government office, they could volunteer twice a week, and that was just born out of a relationship that was established in the summer, and it allowed the student to go to city council meetings and be a part of that process, something that I think would not have happened had I not invited uh, the city manager and the uh, commissioners in and the mayor to come in and speak to the students. So each week we had a different person to come in to share about the responsibilities and the um, governmental process, and they invited our students out to apply to be a part of their year-round youth program, and two of our students were selected. So that is a great initiative for students to understand and be exposed to those governmental processes. Yeah, you know, and I can probably, one might say, testify as a young youth myself, working in our youth program starting at age 14, mm-hmm. um, you know, worked in our regional youth program um, as a student and then worked as a um, counselor aide in the summers when I'd come home from college, which clearly led to my, once graduating from college, going to work for the city of San Diego um, years later as a rehab counselor then as an organization development um, I guess then we were called Organization Effectiveness Specialist, but much of that was my exposure to city government and my exposure to mentors at a very young age um, that worked in the public sector. Well, I'd like to to add, I think uh, the beautiful thing about uh, getting private companies involved um, and the beautiful thing about charter schools is that a private employer can get involved with a local charter school and contribute uh, money to develop a, or support a youth program. Um, $50,000 in a charter school is a significant part of their budget, and that's enough to support a whole program. Um, and that's one of the, the benefits of being able to work with charter schools versus the traditional school system where $50,000 is a, a drop in the bucket of a $40 million um, budget. So, yeah, I, I encourage and I work with in the schools that I develop um, employers who come in and they underwrite our laptop programs so our kids can take laptops home. They underwrite our after-school program. We have another uh, company that underwrites our um, Youth Explorer program that takes kids out into the community and exposes them to different occupations in the community. So those are the types of things that I think we can and do, it doesn't cost a lot, and it makes a, a huge difference and impact. Yeah, you know, um, again, I, I definitely can relate to that and even can um, share an experience where that private-public sector um, joint effort, along with even nonprofit agency, worked really well with the city of San Diego. We had a um, water department director who had the vision of continuing a youth summer program after the funding was no longer available through other funds, and he got with some private entities and raised the money so that the youth program could continue at the city. That was uh, wonderful. Larry Gardner, before he retired from the city of San Diego, but it was definitely a public-private venture that did a lot of good in continuing to develop our youth, give them some positive experience and exposure uh, during those summer months. Yeah, and it is a a private um, business that helps our program to continue to function each summer. And once he saw the effects of our program, for the last 20 years he's been providing funding for our program, and that has made a big impact on the the fact that we're still going after 23 years being a, a private summer program. Great. So, Troy and Elaine, let me ask you, is there anything else either of you would like to add as it relates to just food for thought 
um, for our um, public and non-profit leaders specifically to think about as it relates to developing our uh, youth to be leaders uh, for tomorrow. And I really, actually, for tomorrow, but, I mean, many of them are developing to, to lead currently, but certainly we want to see them taking the helm in, in leadership in the future. Yeah, I just think it's necessary for them to always set high expectations and know that the students can achieve and to encourage creativity and provide some positive examples, whether um, you have to bring people in and also provide as much positive feedback. Because when you're working with young people, we oftentimes take a corrective role versus a positive role, and it's necessary for them to get more positive feedback than so much corrective action as we develop them so that they can know that they're meaning, that um, they matter. And I just think the positive feedback, and that helps them to continue to grow. Great. And, Troy, how about yourself? I would say that uh, it's important to um, not overlook um, character development. I am um, constantly reminding my staff that um, the character that we model is the character that they reflect, and they learn from our example. So don't think when you're around the corner and you're talking about another staff member behind their back that a student doesn't pick up on that. So we have to focus on not only developing the character of our students, but modeling that character that we expect them to follow. And the other issue, which is a segue from character, is uh, establishing those basic values of of what is success and what is important. Some people say that uh, when you're successful, and we uh, touched on this briefly when we talk about mentorship, that when you're successful, you should reach back and help somebody else to be successful. And what I always say to people is you are not successful until you help somebody else to achieve the same success that you've achieved. Wonderful. Fabulous. Love all of those tips with regards to the whole focus on character development and um, helping to nourish a positive image around values of what success looks like. And I love the, it's uh, so important to reach back and be helpful. And Elaine, you're reminding us to set high expectations, encourage creativity, provide positive feedback and serve as a positive example as well as bring in role models. All, I think, fabulous tips. I want to remind our listening audience also that we have the advance that's coming up here in San Diego, California, uh, really focused on helping our leaders to prepare to lead in today's ever-changing diverse community and global market. I want to invite you to go to www.theadvance.org to learn more about this fabulous program and hope to see you here in sunny San Diego for that program. Thank you so much, Elaine, and thank you so much, um, Troy, for being with us today, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Please join us next week on Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time for more on how you, too, can make your leadership matter. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.